A couple of years ago, I saw a commercial that seemed to ask the right question that reminded me that maybe all these years we've been asking the wrong questions about our problems. The question was this, what would be, what would we be without our mountains? Welcome, this is Lou Perez and this is So Old Too. And it's such a pleasure to be with you. This is the podcast that is putting the oxygen back into the Christian walk one soul at a time. So glad to be with you today. Recently, actually a couple of years ago, I saw this TV ad that simply asked a profound question. What would we be or what would we do or be without our mountains? The ad then goes on to connect people achieving great things and it shows athletes and people, you know, climbing mountains and doing athletic stuff but it connects it with a particular beer. And though the ad's goal was simply to sell a beer, the question itself is a profound one. What would we be like without mountains in our life? And I say that because often we ask the wrong question, I believe. We ask the question, what am I going to do about these mountains? Oh, these mountains are killing me. How can I get rid of these mountains? Wouldn't my life be so much better without these mountains? Wouldn't I be happier without these mountains? And we, we complain and whine and try to avoid and get rid of the mountains. But yet not all mountains are meant to be moved. I'm convinced of that. We know the scripture that Christ said, if you say to this mountain, be moved, it'll be moved. But if you read the whole context of scripture, uh, it, it is speaking of praying in the will of God. I mean, if God doesn't want to move that mountain, that mountain's not going to move. And we find often in scriptures that God doesn't always answer the prayers the way we want it answered. Sometimes the answer is that as I face that mountain, I'm going to, something's going to happen in my character and in my mindset that is going to transform me forever. So quickly, what is what is life like without mountains? We find that if we have life without mountains, then we live a false assumption that our lives would be better without A, B, and C. And uh, without my battles, my trials, my betrayals, my tragedies, I would be happier. If I just didn't have this problem in my life, this person in my life who torments me and gives me a rough time, life would be great. Yet what kind of adult does a child become if they are kept from the doctors for fear of the needle or from the dentist or never disciplined for fear of, of it being negative or them being offended or something? And yet we find that uh, Psalms 119 and 71 puts it beautifully. It says, it is good for me that I have been humbled. And there's another version that says afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. There's something inherent in those mountains that is going to teach us something if we endure them in patience. Now, it doesn't mean we cannot pray against our mountains. I think we should always pray the prayer of faith and say, God, this is really difficult. Can you move that mountain? But there are times where God says, I'm not going to change the mountain. I'm going to change you. What is life without mountains? It is a picture of life, uh, a picture of life without mountains, a life that is weak and soft. Um, any trial or challenge would devastate us. The slightest thing offends us. The slightest thing bothers us. Any small thing offends us. Any wind that blows, any trial that comes, just knocks us down. The slightest thing, like words, devastate us. Rejection overwhelms us. Any incident leaves us undone. In other words, if we had no mountains to develop character and strengthen us, we would be weak, we would be soft. But another 
inevitable, inevitable consequence of not having mountains is a life of avoidance. We learn a strategy of avoiding things. We avoid anything that might cause pain or loss or discomfort. We would only embrace things that are pleasant and delightful, things that make us happy. We would only want people who like us, or as it has been called, fair-weathered friends. Another consequence of no mountains is a life that is unchallenged. We were made to grow and thrive, but without mountains, we have no challenges. We have no room for growth. We never take risks. We never risk relationships. We never have dreams that can fail or vision that can fall flat on its face. We would be driven by the fear of failure and not the direction of God for our lives, not the challenge where God says, take a step of faith and move forward with your life. In fact, someone once put it this way, where in the Bible does it ever say that God gave anyone an easy job? That's a great question, isn't it? A job that invites low risk, zero chance of failure, and no pain. In fact, you find the opposite in the scriptures. God always asks people to do things that stretch them beyond their imagination or capacity. And through the stretching, they grow and become greater, become the person he's really designing them to be. But without mountains, we would live a life of survival instead of thriving. We would, instead of, survi- instead of thriving, we would survive and, and miss the very central purpose God has for our lives. This is why I believe that we were meant to live on a spiritual battleship, not on a life raft. We're not meant for survival, we're meant for thriving. In the letter to Jude, or the letter of Jude, verse 3, it says, I find it necessary to write an appeal to you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. There's something you have to fight for and contend for in your faith when you follow Christ. It's not going to just be given to you. But without mountains, we live a life that is stunted. We would never really grow into our full potential as human beings. We would avoid anything that might cause us pain, risk, or loss. And thus we would live lives that are limited and small. So think about this for a second. Without your trials and tribulations, what kind of person would you be? Instead of being more than conquerors, we would just get by. Instead of battle scars, we would have unhealed wounds that are delicate to the touch. In short, we would be like an insect who, because it was never allowed to break free of its cocoon, lives its brief life in a weakened and anemic state, in constant fear of losing its fragile existence. What does life look like with mountains? This, this is the fun part. What does God think about this? Does God enjoy watching us suffer? Absolutely not. C.S. Lewis put it this way, God loves us, but does he care? Does he care about my great loss? Does he care about all the pain I'm going through? Doubt, anxiety, and the answer is obviously yes. But mountains are a sign to us when God allows us to have mountains in our lives. One of my mentors had a saying about the trend of Scripture as it relates to people. He said, the Bible never makes it easy on the flesh. In other words, the part of me that wants its own way, the part of me that wants to say no to God and do its own thing, 
the Bible is always hard on that because that's the part of me that has to die and let Christ live. And from Genesis to Revelation, you never find God giving anyone the way out. But in fact, he's giving them the way in. He's saying the way in is through it. But it's also, mountains are a sign that you are on God's path for your life. You are in over your head and you're going to make it by his grace. Again, C.S. Lewis said, could we not almost say that this shattering is one of the marks of his presence? In other words, when things fall apart and when these mountains come into our life, that whole chaos is a part that God has shown up and he's doing something powerful. So how should you not look at your mountains? I'm not saying that God causes you pain and causes these awful tragedies so that he can teach you lessons. No, he takes a broken world and the unfortunate circumstances that happen in a broken world and he brings good out of it. This is what the Bible says. He works all things for good. All things implies good and bad. God salvages valuable things from the pain that happens in this fallen world and he makes something good of it. But what happens if my mountain doesn't move? If my mountain doesn't move, then something in me has to change. Sometimes there is a mountain hindering us, and God does not always move that mountain. So what do we do? We trust and pray, knowing that He will take care of it. God did not remove all of the inhabitants of the lands of Israel when they were conquering, because, as the Bible says, He wanted to teach them how to fight. In other words, he left some mountains behind to teach them the skills of war and warfare. And we find that Jeremiah had said, God, I'm struggling. But before then, God had given Jeremiah a word of prophecy, and he says, I know I will make you to this people a fortified wall of bronze. What does that mean? It's very poetic. It just means God is saying, I'm making you hardened so that You can face your hardened times and hardened situations. Sometimes God has to change you to live before your mountain. He told Ezekiel, I will make your forehead like the hardest stone, harder than flint. That's a a similar way of, of how he spoke to Jeremiah. He's saying, I'm going to make your character in such a way that this mountain that's a challenge to you, you'll be able to deal with without even breathing. It'll be nothing for you. So we find in the scriptures that if our mountains don't move, then we move. Then we adapt and we say, God, what are you saying to me? What do you want me to do? In endurance and faith, believing God that that he will get us around it or over it. But either way, he's going to, to allow us to become who we are through that mountain. If my circumstances don't change, then God changes me in a way that brings him glory. So what do we gain from these mountains? When we have mountains that are given to us by God, that are, uh, that are allowed in, in our life by God in a sense that he says, look, I know it's part of the tragic life, but I'm going to bring good out of it. We gain this, a foundation that cannot be shaken. In other words, how do you know you can't be shaken? Because you were already shaken and what supposed to remain in you remained. And we find that instead of the righteous person, the person who follows God, being overthrown by calamity, they become established by calamity. But we also gain this. We gain character that has endured. 
when a person is tried, other things that used to move them before they were tried no longer move them. And wisdom comes when the revelation, from the revelation that you see a connection between your mountain and your, and your character. That's where the wisdom really comes. But we also learn skills in warfare, so to speak. In Psalms 144.1, David said, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. How do you think he trained it? In the simulator? No. He trained it by giving him mountains, by giving him people to deal with. So I want you to think about what you are or what you would be without your mountains. And don't be so quick to complain about them. I want to encourage you to ask God, what do you want me to do about this? Thanks so much for being with us today. If you like this podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. Have a great day.